Dripping balls. That's us. I think you're um you're rubbing off on me even more because creepy. <laughs> everyone's everyone's posting about their you know, uh, Spotify playlist, and I'm like, it's still not fucking the end of the year. What are you pricks talking about? Well, that's because Spotify Wrapped is clearly a fucking an October to October thing. I mean, my my number one um, Spotify Wrapped artist was Zarface, and I haven't. I mean, I enjoyed their album this year, but it was not. I did not hammer it anywhere near as much as I hammered um, the MF Doom collab from last year, and I reckon that's probably a little bit of bleed through. Yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of how that's turned out. Well, my most played song was "Pirates of the Caribbean" by Two Cellos, so that tells you everything about See, my Spotify. Somebody <laughs> needs to fucking show better hygiene with their Spotify. Um, you you got to do that, otherwise mm. you end up with fucking Hey Google, play some shit and ruin my dad's Spotify algorithm. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to pick this week. I remember I was like, I had something I was really well, interested what I was going to do this week, and maybe I'll do it on the weekend. Is um, I might have done it by the time the folks listen to this. Is um, my, usually around this time of year, what I do rather than my Spotify Wrapped is that I, I basically just get all the albums that I thought were worth a second listen and post that on on um, socials. It ends up being about twenty to twenty five albums at least. This yeah. year it might be thirty because there were a lot of really good albums this year. And the year's not over, but we do only have a couple of uh, listening weeks till Christmas, so yep. we have to. Get our picks in, and we have to be really judicious about the, the the albums that are left on the on the short list, and go, mm, you know, what's actually possible, what's what's worth. Don't waste a pick on something shit, basically. Well, I, I have I have a big confession to make, Doc. It's it's a little bit embarrassing. Uh, I'm not that kind of doctor, but shoot, <laughs> I I uh, you know, last week I was listening to one of these albums. For the first time, or actually the week before, and unfortunately, I um, I prematurely recommended. I was three songs in, and I was like, "Oh, this is a cracking album," and sent it to about four people, and then got into the middle of the album, and went, "Fuck! I wish I could take that back. <laughs> I really do." Uh, which album do you reckon I would be talking about? I don't know, Beza. I think you should tell us. That you share with us. Uh, what it album was, it was. was. It was Young Blood. I, I, I really. Really thought this kicked off well, but didn't think there was much variation in it. And funnily enough, I, I was talking to the two people I sent it to, and, and that's what they sort of said too. You know, they they put it on and was like, oh, yeah, this is good, and got got to, like, track four and went, there's really not much different happening here between between the songs. So how did you and feel about why it? why should there be? Because it's fucking awesome. I mean, if you're doing something really well, why go and do anything else? This is a fucking brilliant album. Brilliantly produced, brilliantly written. Uh, it captures, what, has a really wonderful sense of, of where it is and who it is and um, uh, okay. tap tip to the past, but, but sort of looking forward into the future. Uh, yes, I am just talking to stop you getting, getting a word in because you're wrong about this album. It's fucking tremendous. I really liked it. I just like I, I was I was three tracks in. I, I liked was going, it more than the Black Keys album that apparently we reviewed wow. this year. Yeah, no, I, no, okay, that's that's really high then. Because three tracks in, I was like, you know, is this going to be two or three on my top five? <laughs> and and I just it, it didn't hold me. Like I, I don't know. Um, that's interesting that you liked it more than the Black Keys album. What am I missing here then? 
And obviously anything, because you had it for the first three songs, but for some reason you got sick of those three songs. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's just done three and, uh, songs four times, but he's, the voice is the same. Though. Yeah. By voice, I actually, I don't just mean the vocals, I mean the what he's t- singing about. Yeah. It's, it's as old as the fucking hills. It's extremely old blues areas, but, but also funk and soul and R&B, and there's elements of that too, and there's, there's bits that feel like fucking... Um, Hendrix and there's bits that feel like Motown and all this sort of stuff. This is actually not his first rodeo with um, uh, Dan Albach. This is actually the, he, this is his second album, and Albach's been involved with both of them. Uh, Apparently, I, he was off his fucking chops during recording, like he was strung out with a serious drug issue, but he's cleaned up since. Wow, um, which is nice. So some of the songs are, uh, but I, I just, I just think it's really. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of, of interesting bits, and it doesn't feel like hat tips. It just feels like um, he's channeling canned heat in spots, and he's channeling Hendrickson's other spots, and um, just it's just it just it was just uh, there's a little bit like that album that we did a few weeks ago, the um, uh, Japanese doom metal band that were doing um, sort of '60s garage rock um, or stoner rock. Um, it's a brilliant um, genre piece. I don't know whether they you know do you have to be more than that to be a, an album of the year but I suppose every album is a genre piece depending on how narrow the genre is and if and if you're Spotify the genres can be basically one album narrow because they just make shit up you can ice cream core wave or some bullshit uh, the only I was just looking back at the because the, I did make a couple of notes about this album the, the only thing I found different between the sort of front end of the album and the back end is it, it felt like the drums and the bottom end were a little bit more forward in the mix in those songs and then a little bit more you know you know not like a drum track but but a, a little bit more of a background noise in in the second part of the album uh, and maybe I'm just imagining it and it's it's something that like I was I was searching for why I didn't like it as much but um I think you just got um Got a bit bored. You just got sick of the flavor. Sick of yeah. the flavor. You just you're just eating too much cake mix out of the bowl, and you know you, you, you got a bit, kind of bit sicked out. Yeah. Once upon a time, I could eat half a pork belly, and now I can barely eat, you know, two slices. So yeah, too much of a good thing um, is good. Right. <laughs> no, I would have thought that uh, the Polyphia album would have been the one that you would have gone. Well, this is really interesting, and then midway through, you would have gone, "What the fuck was is this?" So, Slap bass solos? What the fuck are we doing here? So my interpretation, my, my explanation for this album is let's take a bunch of really good musicians and then make the music um, as abstract. Make them take a shitload of acid? As abstract and illegible as possible. So all the, all the bits of music are like really well played, but none of it makes any sense, and they should never have a vocalist in their stuff ever again because their vocal tracks. No, are shit. you're right. The instrument, the instrumental tracks were better than the tracks Way that they better. had. With a yeah, I mean, Way better. immediately they picked bad vocalists. I mean, Sophia Black sounded like fucking pop for tots. Mm. Um, but you know, it was the Steve Vai cameo made a lot more sense once I'd listened to it. So we're talking like, well, what the fuck is Steve Vai doing here? But no, it does feel, it has the feel of, it's, I mean, it, instrumentally it's not the same, but it does have the feel of those ludicrous 80s guitar wank yeah. um, albums, instrumental albums. 
Um, I'm not sure why it's in the on the quote unquote kick ass metal soundtrack uh, playlist, but yeah, it was more like I suppose more like sort of Krangbin if they were a prog went guitar hero band. There's just so much slap bass. I just was not <laughs> expecting that. Like, is it fucking 1992? I was thinking, yeah. is is this is almost like the new power generation staged a coup and deposed Prince <laughs> and went off on their own. <laughs> Maybe Prince got distracted watching the NBA finals or something and they decided to go off and do their own thing and realised, oh shit, we we can't just make a series of random noises. We have to... Um, we have to actually write some songs. Or maybe Living, Living Colour is probably not a fair comparison because Living Colour, we're good at writing songs. Oh, and Living, Living, Colour, could, Living Colour could write bangers. This is, this is like a whole bunch of con music students that are really good at playing their instruments, rebelling and playing something that would absolutely drive their, their teachers up the fucking wall. That's what yeah. this is. Um, a oh. preposterous serving of wank is the, the review I have here. But I still don't know. I still can't come down on... Did I like it or not? Because yes, because I can't make fucking sense of it. I don't know what it was. The, the only conclusion I kind of came to was that I think this is a band for band people. I think this is the, this will be like a musos band. Yeah, it's sort of band that, that that musos will sort of say, "Oh, did you hear the latest uh, Polyphia? They really fucking you know people who love the playing of instruments over the you know having a hook or a riff or something to dance to." Yeah. The, the the youth that recommended this um, album was saying that it was interesting because it was the first time they'd ever had a vocalist, uh, you know, I- included on any of their tracks. And I'm like, that's a bad idea. Go back to just being really weird because getting a vocalist and trying to have some sort of normal song structure made it heaps worse. Heaps worse. Yeah, it just it just kind of dumbed it down to the point of just trying to be a pop song. Yeah. And way less interesting. I feel like it's like taking your your fucking Ferrari to the shops. It's like this is not the correct use of this. You can do it, but that's not what it was made for. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that leaves us with talk, talk, talk. The paranoids. Um, this opened up with a track that that almost felt kind of a little bit Becky. Yeah, it was it was kind of chill lo-fi grooves. Lo-fi. Thought, oh, this is lo- interesting. Lo-fi is uh, the word I've been searching for for this album this week. This is yeah. like j- j- I sort of came up with jangly, but yeah. Well, the rest of the, once they stepped out of the back space, it would kind of got more into that kind of kind of Brooklyn jangle pop kind of thing. But there were kind of there was a strong thread of like Blondie and the Go Go's and kind yep. of early eighties sort of post-punk new wave pop acts. Um, I think her voice definitely evokes that, doesn't it? I believe, yeah. Like Blondie passed through a couple of filters, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And there was, there was you know, a little bit of fucking, you know, Alex Sealed era go-go's and stuff like that to it as well. Um, this is a this is a pretty good album. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't love it, but I, I liked a lot of it. Um, and... You know, when you get to the end of the year, you kind of it's a bit hard to kind of get it super enthusiastic about albums that you know you're not really going to be listening to much in December and January. Yeah. Uh, but this is a this is a good, interesting, fun album um, that has has some interesting has some good stuff to recommend it. In another year, this would have been in my recommended list at the end of the year. Uh, I think this year is going to be a bit too strong for that. I um, may still tack it on the end just for the yeah. you know. Of my kind of, yeah, give this a listen if you're into. I'm, I'm probably sorted by genre. So if you're into fucking indie pop, yeah, 
um, uh, with kind of a, an 80s feel to it, then, then this is, you know, this may, this may grow in you and this may be your thing. Yeah, was, th- this is as def- already illustrated. I was, I was, you know, I was more interested in the fucking the, <laughs> the, the very, the very retro blues of of uh, Mr. Marcus King. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I, I, I didn't mind living with those three albums for the last last two weeks. I, like, maybe I sound a bit too down on Marcus Marcus King. I like that album. I really like that album. It's just. By track three, I was like, "This is going to be a top three album of the year," and then it and then it sort of didn't hold hold that level of interest for the whole album for me. I'm a pragmatist. I've seen how many good albums there were this year, and and because because when when the when the fucking um, rap came out, I went back and looked at the albums we've listened to. I'm like, "Fuck, was that this year?" Mm. Like the the yep. Blood Red Shoes album was the first new album of the year that we listened to. That that feels like it was two years ago. Yeah. But there have been a lot of really good albums. Just there might be a top a top three album at this stage is going to have to be extremely good. Yes, given the um, the uh, some of the other albums we, we've that are already on the board. All right. Well, only a couple of weeks of new stuff left. What do you got? That's true. What have I got? What do I always have to go first? Okay, I'll go first. Bloody I'm going to go with something that. Sort Something of for Kate. tickled my fancy as a as a new age um, Tism band. Tism are, current, are playing as we as we record this, folks. Uh, Tism and, are, are playing the Good Things Festival. And I don't know whether it's necessarily Tism as a as a style of music, but more Tism as a um, like as an attitude. So as a statement, as a, as a position, yeah, positional statement. Yes. Um. So this is these New South Wales T T I have T- heard of them. Yeah, uh, it's, it's South. It's Wales with a H. Yeah, Wales is in the things that you know get get killed by the Japanese and and the German football team. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, topical humour. So, like they, can't- I've heard of them, but they, I, I didn't. Yeah, I think you're right. In that they're not they're not kind of techno rock like um, Tism were. No, it's more that they came from like a comedy and podcast background into music rather than coming from a music background into, uh, I don't know, it just sounds like they're a bit more, um, they reference Flight of the Concords in their bio, but. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, here we, are. we could do, we could do a, a Doc Reads bios here. These New South Wales are a belt with many notches. Their quote unquote irresistible songwriting, Kerrang, and quote unquote old school cool energy, the line of best fit, has earned them international acclaim and a reputation as quote unquote one of the best punk bands in Australia, brackets, triple J, close brackets. Their hit comedy central show was touted as the punk flight of the Concords, enemy, and the best mockumentary since Spinal Tap, Monster Children. In their podcast, What a Great Punk ended its debut year inside Spinal Spotify's top five music podcast before going on to do a sold-out live run at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2022. Yada, yada, yada. So they are kind of multimedia heroes in that they're a, um, a punk band who was also a podcast, who was also a Comedy Central show. It's a little bit like if Jay and Lindsay from Friends or Rom were the Triple J breakfast hosts while Friends or Rom were at their peak. Yeah. Or if Tripod decided to pivot from just writing comedy songs into writing pop songs, you know, because Tripod were an actual, 
like those dudes could sing and could write a really good pop song. It, yeah. It, it's just every lyric, you know, was satirical. Uh, you know, what if they decided to go a little bit more straight? I don't know. Something like something like that fascinates me, and I just wonder whether Tism could have been could have been a you know a Melbourne comedy festival ten year darling sort of act rather than than being Tism. You know, it, like. But I think they they wanted to be alternative mm. because being alternative was was important. You couldn't be you couldn't be selling out if you're writing songs about not selling out. In fact, yeah. that's what Tism really struggled with because when they a- were actually became super popular in the kind of Machiavelli and four, in the four seasons and then tism.wanker.com, they kind of struggled with that because they're like, we're not, we're not supposed to be here. Now, this generation, the, there isn't that whole cultural no. blockade around no. selling out the same no. way there was for, for well, people, for Gen X, if you like. Look, look at the Black Keys, right? You know, as, as about a- like a, a band that is seen as real as possible and have sold their fucking songs for advertising all over the place quite yeah. happily, you know. And pe- people are straight-facedly claiming that Taylor Swift should be in the Triple J Holders 100. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just because it's there's no d- separation. Selling out isn't – and there is no commercial and anti-commercial. Everything is commercial now. The capitalism is one. Great. Can't <laughs> – <laughs> so yeah, I have no. I- so their album was called TNSW, which is obviously short for These New South Wales. Uh, I have no idea what this sounds like, though. I have not listened to a single track. Um, it, I sort of was in the. Play- I assume it. I'm assuming they they probably sound like. I mean, satirical punk bands usually sound with within a few orders of magnitude of Friends or Rom, which is never a terrible thing. Yeah. But- but we'll see how that turns out. Interesting pick. Right, what am I going to burn my second to last, third to last? I'll have to think how many weeks there are left. I will go for... Um, I'll go for a band called Body Type, which I think is some Melbourne girls, um, or girls if you prefer, who have gone international with a bit of that kind of feminist indie pop kind of stuff. Um, because basically I feel like I need to, since the year's over, I should get my um, diversity numbers up and stop picking hairy men with guitars. <laughs> you can pick some hairy women with guitars instead. Well, I am, G- I am Gen X, so we're used to, you know, hairy women. Um, that's that's what the, that's how they came in my day. Uh, I'm not sure anybody under 20 has ever seen a pube. <laughs> so Body Type's album is called Everything is Dangerous But Nothing Surprising. So and they are four chucks from Melbourne, I think. Um, it was actually recorded just before their album was recorded just before fucking COVID came and smacked everybody flat. Um, but it is it is a feminist rock punk album, so it might be interesting to, to compare it with uh, the, your other fellas, your um, your Comedy Central fellas. Mm. They are supporting Fontaine's DC on their tour. But I feel like they're a little bit less miserable than those fucking miserable Irish pricks. All right. Do you have a strong recommendation for the Joker, or do you want me to have a crack? Well, what do we pitch for it? What have you got? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to burn a a, a real pick on the Stormzy album. Well, then don't then, because he's shit. All right. Well, <laughs> that's my pitch. What What have you got? I was going to pitch um, Third Secret, which is um, 
a super group of the one guy from Nirvana that nobody's heard from for years. Mm-hmm. Not, not Chris Novoselic. I was going to say, and, not, the, not the right wing one. Well, yeah, I think he might be the right wing one, but yeah. it's Seattle. So out, out in the sticks, they're all right wing. Uh, and um, Kim and Matt from Soundgarden. Oh, okay. And two female singers. So basically, it's, it's like two bands merged. Um, and I've heard bits and pieces of it and thought, that's interesting. But again, it was the sort of thing that I thought, I feel like I need to have listened to this this year. I don't want to burn a pick on it, um, but it might be interesting. So that's that's how I would well, have thought Third Secrets album might be. I, I think it's another one of these things that was that was done over COVID lockdown and then sort of pieced together. So it'd be interesting to see. A how little that turns bit out. like trip hop. Has there really been a good post period grunge album? Like some something that something <sighs> that Violent Soho's album from uh, Everything Is A OK. I thought that was a really <sighs> tremendous. Um, Thinking back, because I was just thinking about Violet Soho, because a uh, climate activist called Violet Coco got <laughs> put away for 15 months for disrupting traffic, which just shows you what the priorities of Australia is. Um, but uh, Violet Soho have, have pulled stumps, essentially. They've um, they've retired from, from the game. But um, Everything A is OK, which was a year or two ago, um, had a real kind of... Dinosaur Junior, early Nirvana feel to it in places, which is yeah. odd that a band that late in their, their career kind of found that sound. But yeah, but the thing is that the grunge was, I mean, what do you call grunge? I mean, Pearl Jam and, and Nirvana didn't really have anything in common other than the fact that they came from Seattle and they wore flannies. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> yeah, they're not like Massive Attack and Tricky Close, so. Or even Massive Attack and Porter's Head and, yeah. you know. Oh, it was just just the thing because uh, it's not like you know new rock hasn't sort of spawned off. Yeah, like uh, like you would almost yeah, but new rock itself was was kind of remixing older ideas anyway. Yeah, yeah. We haven't had a lot of the Rhino. Not to be a thousand year old man, but there are no new new ideas. We're just yeah. reshuffling the existing ideas. There's only eight fucking notes if you don't count the black ones. <laughs> you know, if you don't play on the black keys. Which is how the band got the name. Uh, all right, let's go with that instead of Stormzy. Yeah, I think so because we know what Stormzy's going to sound like. He's going to be—he's going to stink of R and B. He's the least interesting of oh, all I- the um, of all the, the hip hop, um, all the all the, the grime. Um, yeah, he, he's the one moving more towards that Americanish sound. Oh, it'll definitely have it'll it'll stink of fucking R and B. And look, if I'm if you listen to it in February, when you're at a loose end, you discover it was brilliant. Then you know I apologise. <laughs> uh, I really don't think. I really don't think. I don't think. I think at this stage of the year, you're kind of looking at that, going, "I know how that's going to sound, and it's not going to sound good enough for me to be asked with." Yep. All right, Doc. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks to Adam for filling in last week, and I'll uh, I'll catch you next weekend. You shall do that. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. See ya.